Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. We got a message in saying, I'm suffering burnout in my marriage. Not a bad man, but a terribly lonely marriage. Kids, mortgage, etc. Would love people's advice or views on making the break in this situation. So difficult, but soul-destroying to stay. Years and years have passed now. Well, to offer some advice, we're joined by Louise Carroll from Prism Therapy Online, Chartered Psychologist. Hey, Louise. Hello, how are you doing? So this is quite a sad message. It sounds like the person has pretty much made up their mind that they need to leave. But is it the end? It doesn't have to be the end, actually. You know, often when you get to a point of break or of crack or of actually feeling like something has to change, that the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change, then you're actually ready to do something about it. And yes, you might be ready to walk out the door or you could be ready to literally transform the relationship. Yeah, I think that's that's something that stuck out to me was that the wording of the message Mm. looked like we were down a certain path. But I do think that in any situation you know, your your emotions can make you feel a certain way, but if you haven't done anything about why you're yeah. feeling that way, then it's it's probably too risky to kind of just immediately jump for the door and see what happens. So, wh- so what kind of things can you do in a situation like this where you're feeling like there's nothing left, but maybe there is? What, what are the steps you could take to try and tackle it? Well, you know, when I work with couples together, the first thing that I always ask is, have you actually spoken? Have you communicated fully to your partner? Mm. You know, sometimes we fall into this kind of relationship trance, like a vortex. It's like the same behaviours day in, day out. And we perpetuate either, each other's coping mechanisms. And that becomes like a cycle of complementary bad behaviours, right? So we need to blow it open and actually fully express what do you want? What do you need before you leave? What? Where did it go wrong? Have you told them how sad you are? Have you told them how lonely you are? Did you give them a chance to meet your needs? Or are you walking away deflated and disgruntled because they didn't read your mind? Yeah, I and mean, isn't it difficult and don't you need to be brave though to have that conversation when, like you said, you can be in this vortex and be, have the same behaviours and the same conversations over and all of a sudden then you have to kind of lay on the line that, wait a minute, everything's completely different than what I've ever said to you. And this is the trouble with keeping it in, you know, and this is a very personality dependent. Sometimes people, sometimes people keep it in, keep it in, keep it in. And then there's a massive blow up because they didn't want to upset along the way, but Mm. it ends up being miserably, you know, destroyed by the end of it. But, you know, when you, and this is what I mean by it potentially being transformational, because if you're at the point of leaving, then you're at the point of actually blowing it up anyway. So, it is always worth saying how you feel at any point in the relationship. You must say how you feel. Otherwise, you're not actually living a full representation of who you are and what you need. And you're being unfair to your partner by not giving them a chance to meet your needs. What are the things that would blow up a marriage over time? Well, the very first one would be take them for granted, treat them as part of the furniture that you can sit on. Now, I always think it's funny that, you know, at work, you go in, you bring your charm, you bring your charisma. Even if you had four hours sleep, you put a smile on your face because you could risk losing that client or you could risk conflict in the organization and that wouldn't be good for business. And you reserve the stress and the flattened face, you know, and the grump for when you get home for your partner. So, you know, Esther Perel says something very important. She says, treat your partner like they're on loan to you with option to renew. That's the first thing. (laughs) The the second thing is stonewalling, criticism, defensiveness and contempt. They're called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right. 
the worst is contempt. So if you're treating your partner with disrespect, it's really nearing flatlining. That's that's when things really take a turn. But one one thing that I always notice and I I always talk about in, with my own clients is bids for connection. Bids for connection are so important. What, what do you mean part- by that? What's what's a bid for connection? Uh, so a bid for connection is, and it can seem so innocuous, right? So it could be like, oh, look at that puppy there <laughs> on the road. Or, oh, look at, look at that boat out in the water. Or did you see that? Oh, look, look, there's new buds on the tree. It could just be something really innocuous like that. But actually, it's an attempt to connect. Right, And yeah. And if we're, if we're not attuned, if we're not connected in with our partners, we could stay looking in the phone. That's a, that's a turn away from a bid for connection. Okay, so, so, so if, if, if you are the person making that bid for connection and you're yeah. greeted with just like a grunt and a, mm, silence, whatever, or vice versa, if you're the one grunting or being silent towards, yes. you know, the, the comment on the buds on the tree or the puppy, that the bid yeah. for connection is actually being made. You just have to be aware of it. That's it. Uh, but but you're, when you're met with somebody who just continues to look into the phone, it actually feels like a little cut mm. and you feel ignored and dismissed. To the other person, they're just thinking, I don't care that there's a vote on the tree, you know, and, and you're always pointing out things to me. But actually, actually, it's a bid for connection where right. perhaps there's, there's a feeling of loss or insecurity. So watching for those things. Do a lot of us expect our partners to read our minds? <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, when we are in love or when we're connected, we feel like this person knows all of us. And so they, we feel and like to fantasize that they know when we're unhappy just because we might flick our eyes away a bit quickly or even if we say we're fine. You know, and it's almost like a challenge that we put to our partners that, well, if they love me enough, they should know exactly what's wrong with me. And we put them to the test. And that's just simply not fair. And we end up creating misery, actually, and disconnection. And then if, how do you have a successful relationship? I know it's like literally the biggest question in the world and we don't have time to be here all day. But what I mean is like, are there genuine characteristics of successful relationships that you could look for or move towards if you're like our texter? Yes, absolutely. John Gottman, he's a relationship expert and he can predict divorce with 90% accuracy. Wow. And and he says the successful relationships are five to one, a ratio of five to one, five Positive sentiments versus one negative. Divorce couples tend to have 0.8 to one. Oh, wow. Right? So, so it's got to be five to one. And what that is comprised of is, first of all, those bids for connection, you know, that, that you are actually getting to know the other person. You're, you're responding to them. You're looking at them. You're smiling at them, you know, when they come in. That's one. The second is fondness and appreciation. Once, twice or three times in a day, appreciate them for something. It could be tiny. Mm. Thanks for making me that coffee. You always, you're always so thoughtful. You're always so thoughtful when you do that. Make it a broad characterological statement. You know, so then that person feels really seen. And the, the other one is actually get to know their inner world. Right. So very often I see couples when they're interacting, they're making statements all the time. Statement after statement after statement. That's not letting a person know that you're interested in them and what mm. they're feeling and what they're thinking. And again, we take it for granted that we don't have to do that when we live alongside somebody. But actually getting to know their inner, ask questions, ask questions, and that person feels seen and heard and more connected to you. Well, finally, Louise, if there is, so we've talked about kind of, you know, the things we can do to save the relationship or maybe work a bit harder. But if you're in a relationship like our texter perhaps who just knows the the end is nigh it's done they've no option but to leave this for their own sanity what are the first couple of steps you can do so you don't mishandle the whole thing first of all 
objectively as much as you can understand why it's failed. Before you really, before you actually leave a relationship, come to understand when and why it went wrong. And not just in the ways that the other person failed you, but how you ceased to show up as well. You know, what is it that you did or didn't do that actually kept the wheels turning on that dynamic? You know, and, and I'm not talking about something like violence. That's, that's a completely different thing. But when it's an emotional dissolution, how did you also keep the wheels turning? You know, that's really important because those are your pain points. Those are your triggers, you know, and that, that caused you to withdraw or to stop communicating. Because those are also the things that you'll take to your next relationship unless mm. you identify them now. I would also always recommend couples therapy, even if it is the end of a relationship, because it really helps to, to reach that point of closure when there's proper communication. And that also happens in the context of couples therapy sometimes too. And I presume the communication with the children involved as well is important, yes. appropriate for their age and all that. Yes, absolutely. And getting to the point where you can both communicate the same message is really important too, yeah. that the kids aren't hearing two different messages. And knowing that kids benefit more from separated happy parents than disharmonious parents who stay together. That's interesting, yeah. Louise Carroll, Chartered Psychologist, thanks so much for chatting through that. Really interesting. Uh, you can find Louise on uh, Prism Therapy online. She's also got a very cool app, a Prism Therapy app, which you can find in your app store. Thanks, Louise. Thank you, guys. Take Thank care. You. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Dermot and Dave. Weekdays from 9am. Today. Oh,